Dear listeners, to episode 16 of the Empty Rooms of Gorski Manor. Thank you so much for sharing these precious tales with lighted candle and tea together. Our companion stood in the lovely herbal garden of the chapel of Gorski Manor, white moonflowers glowing amongst the twisted trestles tended to by the monks of the Order of the Amber Sun. The chapel, now dark, shared one last quiet chime of the great bell, tolling in response to a light that flickered into life within a tall, thin window on the other side of the garden. Our attention was strongly piqued as we watched a shadowy figure cross the window, then return to stand and look out at us. The way called to us, so we quickly answered, walking through the winding paths of the garden. There was no sight of Monk Pierre. I would have loved to spend some time with him. I know I will see him again. Past large patches of herbs we went, all growing strong and true. Some I knew, valerian, mugwort, bee balm, yet so many were new to me. So many delicious scents floated on a gentle breeze, distinct yet mixing together in the most unusual and magical of potions. Their scents were much stronger than I have ever tasted in my own garden, possibly my aging nose, but more the energy of the manor. I surely could spend more time within these dreamy garden walls, embracing the herbs and plants and what knowledge they may share. As we got closer and closer to the window, the figure made not a move. Feathers flew up into the sky quietly, not sharing where she headed. I could hear a humming coming from the garden. Was it the herbs singing their dreams as they slept under the moon? I wondered what this place sounds like under the bright, warm gaze of the sun. I began to see gentle, slow wisps of many colors rising from some of the plant clusters, moving upwards and around them, much like an aura, but then curling into spirals before gently returning within the plant. I felt myself begin to hum in unison with the garden. I fully understood I was welcome here. A kind of warm joy filled me inside that all here was glad that I was here, a long-awaited visitor. In front of me, a larger wisp emerged from a yarrow patch. White and soft, it flowed, 
upwards and formed into a human shape, head to arms, and with a twirl started to dance to its inner hum. I stopped before it as it swirled to meet me and taking hold of my hands, oh my, such an odd solid sensation. It swept me into its humming dance. I could feel its presence, filled with emotion as we held hands. It was nothing more than amazing. Hummer, it whispered in my ear in greeting, tickling my ear with its soft breath. Many wispy ghosts that I could now see flow from the plants. They joined our dance within the garden, a most beautiful ethereal sight to behold and to be a part of. I so enjoyed the dance, going round and round on the paths, light as a feather on the wind, moving faster and faster yet never stepping on an inhabitant, herb nor plant. The sounds and smells were intoxicating. Their nightly song played with remembered magics deep in my soul. I glanced to the figure in the window and saw it too was enchanted by the dance and swayed in time with us. We danced and danced and danced long into the night. I felt soft kisses brush against my cheek as we moved deeper into the garden, meeting new flora and fauna alike, an absolutely lovely and happy time to spend with me and them. I refused to allow the niggling thought of trickery into this reverie. No, there cannot be any deceit here. This could not be the workings of mischievous spirits or the fae. It felt pure and true and gentle. Then one voice sang out above them all, a harsher tone, urgent to be heard above the others. I knew that voice. It quickly broke my night daydream, and reluctantly I looked to find its source. My ghostly companion kissed my cheek one last time, then released me and flowed back to its yarrow home. One by one, the dance ended. I heard the voice again and followed it to a little hill at the corner of the garden. There, singing, or should I say croaking, to the large crescent moon above, was Simon. I was very glad to see him, but felt a surge of resentment that his appearance ended this magical ball. Remembering the scare I gave him the last time we were together, I held my emotions in check making some snuffling noises, and cleared my throat so he could see and hear me approach. He stopped singing and looked at me. He hesitated for a moment, 
waiting for a response from me. I opened my arms, smiling warmly. Without hesitation, he returned my smile broadly, as only a frog can, and quickly hopped into my arms. Oh, Simon, I have missed you, I cooed to him as he snuggled deeper into my embrace. I saw a stone bench nearby and walked over to it to sit down. Gently releasing him, I looked into his eyes with a question that needed to be answered. I could see he understood. I am so sorry, mistress. I I couldn't tell. So many secrets in the manor. He blurted out too quickly. But Harry Gorski, really? This is so big. How can I ever trust you again? I sadly asked him, remembering how he had not shared the extent of his personal friendship with me. No, 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 no. It's just the magic. Sometimes it it gets twisted. The manner is not hurtful or cruel. He shared with a sniffle. I am beginning to understand, I responded plaintively. The manor does seem to have a good heart. So where is Harry? I asked with anticipation, looking around. <laughs> He's not here. Waiting, Simon said with a seriousness that I had not yet heard from him. I looked around eagerly. Not right here now. You are getting closer. The right time will soon be here, he stated with a finality of strength. I looked at him, wanting to ask more, but knowing things are revealed at the right time within the manor. Where is Feathers? He asked, looking around. Yes, where is Feathers? I asked, too. I looked to the sky and around the garden, but I could not see her white form anywhere. Should we call to her, I suggested? She will return at her time, Simon answered, and I had the feeling he wanted to be alone with me for a while. I knew she would be all right and hoped she'd come back soon. I was heading to that window over there. Look, the shadow is still there, I told him, pointing to the window, kind of surprised to see the figure was still there. The shadow watcher. Simon said in a hushed voice. Oh, you know him? I asked, surprised. No, 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 no. I only know of him. Let us go, he said as he started to hop away. This is new for Simon, eager to forge forward into the unknown. As we weaved our way through the garden to the window, We soon stood beneath it. It was just a little too high for me to peek inside. The figure still stood there before us, and interestingly, I noticed the shadow figure had a shadow. 
I could just see it cast upon the wall behind it. The shadow of shadow flowed from the shadow into the shadow. Oh, voice, you do tend to catch my attention at the most curious times. Simon and I stood there beneath the window, watching the shadow. Watch us, for it had made not a movement, no acknowledgement that it knew we were there. Is this a residual haunting? A ghostly apparition, doomed or trapped to the same tale, to be repeated again and again? with no awareness, always a sad thought. A small stone hit the window. I looked down to Simon, and I could see it was he that had tossed it. Simon, I hissed. He just shrugged his shoulders. I couldn't be too mad at him, as I was just thinking of doing the same thing. But I watched intently for a reaction. But nothing. All had become silent within the garden. I could no longer hear the garden's comforting hum. I went closer to the window, intent on tapping on it, but I was just too short, even as I tried to jump. I looked to the sides of the window. The right was the end of the building, but to the left I could see a patio porch. I felt drawn in that direction, yet as I paused to make up my mind, the glass patio doors flew open with a loud creak and slammed into the wall. I guess our way has been decided for us. I held my broom tightly in front of me, ready for I'm not sure what. When we got to the door, there were sheer drapes all the way to the floor of a gray, soft material that flowed into the night. I had to gather and push through them as we entered the room, and then we were in, Simon right behind me. I immediately glanced to where I thought the window would be, And there was the shadow, standing quietly, still looking out the window. It was covered in a pale white sheet from head to foot. Oddly, it had tiny pale blue forget-me-not flowers upon it. A flower of a blossom of loving remembrance, a promise One will never be forgotten. Now why have I called the ghost a he? I always find that telling, something important shared when I feel a gender of something unknown. Hmm. Simon and I stood there, still, quiet. Who will make the first move? Who should make the first move? I was drawn to look at the room itself. 
One small round table stood within the center, four wooden chairs circling it. A lovely lantern of black metal twisted into vines of long, thin leaves with blossoms of amber crystals adorn it, hung from the ceiling above the table. A large beeswax candle now burned within the lantern, creating the mystical dancing shadows of amber upon the walls of the most intricate weavings of trees and plants, bushes and vines, herbs and fluttery flying insects that moved between the foliage. Beneath this natural weaving of what felt like a Jotun, a giant garden, all at immense size, I could see little twinkling black eyes beneath, peeking and blinking and waiting. The sight made me feel I was tiny as a mouse. It's only once in a while, down empty dusty halls, I sometimes almost think about you. It's only once in a while, through empty rooms alone, I sometimes almost think about you. Silent footsteps walk across the floor Silent shadows walk across the door Silent candles will burn so cold Silent shrouded rooms of old Far away down the hall The clock chimes nightly
released from the melancholy of the song. I started to jerk backwards, but he reached out gently and embraced the sides of my head in a soft embrace. I could feel the lightest touch as he bent down to look closer into my eyes. I could not help looking deep within the dark holes of his ghostly shroud. Needless to say, I was unable to move and stared into those portals, fearful yet intrigued as to what I may see. I heard a bell toll somewhere far within the manor. Within his eyes was nothing, no blackness, no frights. All was empty within him. Yet he moved and was here in front of me. He cocked his head to the side in a manner of inquiry. I felt him trying to find or remember something. I could sense him reaching out to me as if I might ignite that spark, that split second of clarity that finally brings that something one seeks that is there just out of reach until finally it rises up from the depths of one's memory to now be found and remembered. Feathers appeared through the open door and landed on my head. This broke the spell and he released me. We still stood there, face to face, as I watched a large white spider crawl from his back and come to rest upon his head. Other watchers I have seen before, always there in the shadows, watching in their stillness, but yet exuding an energy of comfort and companionship ever present at those times when one feels the most alone. What has he remembered? Why has my coming helped him remember? He moved backwards slowly, away from me, yet his shadow did not. It stayed there, growing longer and thinner, moving to the wall and slowly disappearing into the foliage of the wallpaper. The shadow watcher himself floated in a most unnatural fashion. 
his arms hanging limply at his sides, eyes black and staring at things I could not see. Slowly, steadily, sideways he went, his movements so undetectable as he slid to the left along the wall with only the slightest flutter at the base of his white linen. His shadow was now totally lost into the Jotun wallpaper. But as he passed in front of the wall of the flora, he too disappeared, yet did not. I could see his eyes and the outline of his form, but within became invisible, so that the flora behind him was clearly visible as he continued to slowly flow along the wall. Not feeling it right to speak, I just watched him, as he still watched me, as he moved across the wall. Feathers now left my head and flew over to the round table and landed on it in front of one chair. Simon followed her and hopped over to sit opposite her. I then followed them and sat in the chair facing the shadow watcher. From the ceiling, one lone card floated down and landed in the center of the table. With curiosity, we all looked to see what card it was. And it was the hermit card. A lone shrouded ghost stood in the darkness within the card, a lantern held high, only shining its light for a short distance into the dark room where it stood. The sheeted ghost was him. I glanced to his figure still sliding across the wall. Yes, it is he, cloaked in his linen of white with a sprinkling of pale blue forget-me-nots. Feathers and Simon placed their feather and paw upon the card. I followed and placed my fingertips. A sharp breeze rushed in around us from the open door. The gossamer gray curtains tossed, as usual, within the traditional seance in the movies. And in a blink of an eye, the shadow watcher was sitting in the chair opposite me and placed his sheeted hands upon the card, completing the circle. He pulled back the sheet until we could see his fingers, long and white and riddled with great age. I watched the card and saw the image begin to move the shrouded figure took the lantern and hugged it to its chest. He immediately burst into flames that quickly engulfed him, turning him to smoke. This smoke swirled and twisted around the edges of the tarot card, as if looking for a way to escape. As the smoke passed beneath my fingers, I could feel its heat touch each one. 
I looked to Feathers and Simon, but their eyes were fixed to the scene we witnessed within this tarot card. Lightning cracked in the center of the card, creating a hole that the smoke quickly flowed through and out. The shadow watcher gave a loud sigh. It was heart-wrenching with grief, yet had a tinge of relief in it. The beeswax candle that hung above us burned more brightly and started to drip its melted wax, drop by drop upon the card. Will you? I heard a whisper come from the shadow watcher. Feathers and Simon looked to me for my answer. I so wanted to say, Will I what? But that felt wrong and disrespectful. I looked down to the card for some insight. I watched as the crack created by the lightning grew larger and larger. I could now see beyond the dark room. There was a dead tree, very large, with many twisted branches. The ends of many broken branches held cobalt-blue bottles, each facing down, each containing movement of many trapped spirits within them. All have been forgotten, all looking out through the tinted blue glass, all not quite remembering. In the silence, in the forgetting, one must go, waiting for a time to almost think, to almost remember, just for a moment. Yes, I answered, I will think of you. The card melted into the wood of the table. All that was left was the round stone of beeswax. I touched it. It was solid and firm. I looked within it and saw the rune Isa there, the rune of the hermit, solitude and comfort. Comfort within yourself. Alone, the outsider, living at the borderlands, content within the memories of one's past and the new memories of each new day, a place of rest and calmness, ever walking the path of forever. We all stood up, expecting the shadow watcher to leave, but he came to me and gave me a gentle kiss upon my forehead, his thank you for my agreement to help him. Go to library. Find the right book. I heard the knowing. Oh, 
the library of Gorski Manor is our next destination. Blessings and hugs, dear listeners. Sometimes I must think